Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Over. Nothing personal. Word of the day is over. The wait is over. The search is over. She was right there all the time. It's opening day 2020. Major League Baseball Sports is back. Can you imagine what has happened since the middle of March? It was a Wednesday, March 11th. Rudy Gobert tests positive. The NBA shuts down two minutes later. Then hockey, then Major League Baseball stops spring training two days later on Friday. We are now in July. We thought maybe it's Memorial Day. July 4th is when baseball should be played. Nope, it's July 23rd. Let's give you a status report. Major League Soccer is playing in the bubble in Orlando. The NBA is scrimmaging in the bubble, ready for the first game back a week from today. National Football League starting to report to camp, taking COVID tests, getting ready to play a season. Major League Baseball, after all the stops, the starts, the fighting, come to an agreement. Do summer camp part two. And they got to opening day. None of this means that we'll get to closing day. But who cares? I will not allow one iota of negativity to enter into anyone's minds or heart right now. Today is the day where it's all possible. Opening days were my favorite day of the year. It's the one day where you can say, we are the best. No matter what, there is an empty canvas that's going to get drawn through the course of a season, whether it's 162 games or whether it's 60 games, it doesn't matter. It's an empty piece of paper. And each day an entry will be made, 60 entries out of 66 days, where every team has a chance to decide what will be its writing, its picture. Maybe they're like Seurat, the great artist, and it's pointillism, where each day you to a different point, and when you step back at the end, you've drawn a picture of a World Series ring. Maybe it's more like Picasso and Cubism, where you draw a different body part, not in any particular order, and you look back at the end of a season and say, whoa, that's a strange place for a breast. Yeah, anything can happen. So what are teams doing right now? Only four of them open today. You've got the Yankees, the Nationals, the Giants, and the Dodgers. 26 other teams. I always dislike that. Opening day should be opening day for everybody. Now, granted, there's always one game, like the national TV game the night before, but opening day is when the majority of teams start. So I guess I could argue that tomorrow's really opening day. Tonight's opening night. But after all of these delays and no sports for the last four months. As far as I'm concerned, baseball opens. So what kind of pressure 
do teams feel? Do they feel the weight of expectations? Do they have the concern about how the season will play out? Are they worried about their jobs? Are they worried about their place on the team, their place in history? I want to take you through three perspectives that don't get talked enough about. I've been accused and told that I'm a, an owner's guy. I side with the owners all the time, and I don't ever feel anything for the players. And I would tell you that that is not true. I'm pragmatic. I'm honest with the players. I didn't always tell them what they wanted to hear, but I can tell you one thing. I would always tell them what was in my mind so there'd be no festering. There'd be no guessing as to where I was coming from. I didn't play games, pun intended, with the players. I understand that when players go into a season that they've got not just the team on their minds, but also their individual performance, their individual contract situation. So there's several different different types of players when they go into a season. Let's talk about Garrett Cole. He goes into the season tonight, his first ever in pinstripes, a dream come true. Do you remember, I think it was seven years ago when Garrett Cole signed with the Yankees and they had that opening press conference and he held up a sign that said, I'm a Yankees fan. And it's from when he was a little boy at Yankee Stadium. And that's after the Yankees had signed him to $324 million contract. One million below Giancarlo Stanton, by the way, for the highest paid Yankee on a notional basis. So Garrett Cole finally got his wish. Have you ever been through something in life where you wanted it so badly and you worked at it? You put yourself in a position to get it. And the chase was so incredible and exhilarating. And then all of a sudden you get exactly what you want and the air sort of falls out of the balloon. It deflates a little bit. You had built up your adrenaline so much, and then reality set in. The reality is that Garrett Cole is being asked to lead a rotation that is full of question marks. Their number two starter, Luis Severino, is out for the season with Tommy John. They've got Masahiro Tanaka, who got hit in the dome on a comebacker during the second spring training, and he's going to miss the first week of the season. They've got James Paxton, who would not have made opening day. I lost a weight to see when, in fact, I should have won the weight to see because I knew James Paxton wouldn't be back when his agent said he'd be back. I'll let you guess who his agent is. James Paxton is a middle of the rotation. Jay Hat, middle of the rotation. Jordan Montgomery, bottom of the rotation. So Garrett Cole is being asked not to do what he did with the Astros, which was to be one of many. He's asked to be the one and only. By the way, he could actually call the Bahamas and maybe do Ever heard of the one and only in the Bahamas? I think there was a Bond film with Daniel Craig that filmed there with the guy who had, they play poker, Casino Royale, and the guy with blood out of his eye. That was scary. Great movie. So Garrett Cole is leading a rotation that is weak, but a lineup that is strong. But he had that in Houston as well. Did the Astros win the World Series? No, the Nationals did. The Astros did get a World Series. Was it trash can related? Not for today. So the pressure on Garrett Cole is not money related. He's got the 324. It's guaranteed. It's way more than Patrick Mahomes. And it's quite a bit under Mookie Betts. But when he takes the mound and he puts on the pinstripes for real in Washington tonight, he will have the weight of his history on his back and the weight of the franchise history. That's a lot of pressure. 
What about someone like Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge comes in under a one-year contract. One of the most famous, if not the most famous athlete in New York right now. He wouldn't have made the start of the season had there been injuries, but now he's ready to go. He had a stiff neck. He had a this. He had a little crink, a little bit. Oh, my shoulder, my knee, my elbow, my head and my toes. But he's playing. Except he doesn't have the security of a long-term deal. He's playing for his arbitration life. He made $8.5 million this year, but prorated. It's going to be around $4 million. Do the math. So he is waiting for his payday. So he feels pressure to stay healthy because there's a fine line between various injuries that stop you from playing and being known as injury prone. If you're the Yankees, do you give Aaron Judge a 13-year contract right now? I'm a big no. So Aaron Judge has a lot to prove during this 60-game sprint. Giancarlo Stanton trying to live up to his $325 million contract, having won the MVP in Miami in 2017, having played the majority, 145-plus games in 2018. Last year, obviously, played 18 games, wondering, could he win comeback player of the year? It is shocking that a former MVP could be subject to winning comeback player of the year. But at $324 million, no longer being the biggest contract, 325 of course, 324 is cold, no longer being the biggest contract, the pressure is off Stanton. He's in a place where he always wanted to be, where every year they have a chance to win. What about the front office? How are they feeling? They have not won a World Series since 2009. That's 11 years They were not in the World Series in the entire decade of the 2010s, but Brian Cashman continues to be the GM. All of the instability that plagued the Yankees during the 80s is now gone. Brian Cashman's been there since 96, 24 years. I may be wrong, Coca, maybe 95, but I think he was there in 96 when they won, although maybe he only got there in 98 when they won. It's definitely 20 plus years. They won in 00 and they won in 09 and not since. Obviously, huge payrolls, top payrolls. What stops them from winning? What stops them from winning is they've never had enough pitching. Pitching is what gets you these rings. If you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't see that I'm holding up my ring. I wear, I wear the ring, not just weddings and bar mitzvahs. I bring it out opening day and I wear it throughout the playoffs because why I don't I, I've said this before. Why keep your ring in a place where you can never look at it? Like so many players keep it in their safe, and so many executives do. I don't get that. If you if you got them, smoke them. I have one, so I'm going to wear it opening day. So Brian Cashman has a tremendous amount of pressure on him. When you sign a 324 million dollar free agent, you bring in an ace, which he finally had to do to shore up his starting pitching, and then they get the bad news of losing Severino to Tommy John. When he brought in Happ and Paxton, we said, why are you doing middle of the rotation, guys? You don't win a ring that way. We said it on Nothing Personal. We said it on HQ, and it was true. That's CBS Sports HQ. But now they've got a bona fide ace. What will be the excuse if the Yankees don't win the World Series this year or get to the World Series? Ah, it was a 60-game sprint. So many variables. We just had that little stretch in August where we won two out of 10 games, and that was it. We couldn't recover. 
That's the thing about this 2020 season. Everybody has an excuse, which is something when you're running a team, you try to eliminate. We would actually meet with players, meet with the front office, and we'd say, listen, let's not start with our laundry list of excuses. We don't have enough fans. We don't have a high enough payroll. We have a hard schedule. We have to fly an hour and a half just to get out of the state of Florida. Excuses, 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 excuses. Excuses are like opinions. Everybody's got one. There'll be a lot of teams coming up with a lot of different excuses when you have a 60-game season. My view is forget about it. Don't allow that. Don't allow that negativity to creep in. Have you ever been doing a, uh, this happens during, if you've ever run a marathon or a half marathon or a 10K or done a workout or anything you've ever done that requires your mind and your body. Have you ever been in the middle of doing that and your mind all of a sudden says, wow, I can't go anymore. I cannot, I cannot run another step. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to slow down. I, I got to stop. This hurts. That hurts. The minute your mind does that, you're finished. When you put a kernel of a thought in your mind, ah, I'm not going to work out today. I'll start the diet tomorrow. I'll start the workout tomorrow. Oh, I'll procrastinate. I'll finish my homework tomorrow. I'll write that paper. I'll do that extra work tomorrow. The minute your mind allows you to do that, your body follows suit. The key is having the mental fortitude to not allow any excuses to creep in. No matter what you're doing, whether you're a professional athlete, a professional fan, or you're working, whatever you're doing, you're a student, it doesn't matter. So players today is when you tell them no excuses, no distractions, do your job. I don't want to hear that you have to wear a mask. I don't want to hear that you can't shower, eat the way you want to eat or that you're traveling in a different way, or that you're bored on the road. I don't want to hear any of that. The sacrifices that we make as a baseball team are not even close to the sacrifices that 99.99% of the people make, who then, by the way, spend their money on you. I always talk to players and, and staff about that. I think people don't talk about that enough. And without fans in the stands, are you saying, no, no fans are spending money? Yes, you are. Are you watching games? Are you watching on cable? Are you watching on any other streaming service? Do you subscribe so you can watch games? Do you invest your time to pay attention? That's what I always say about nothing personal. You're investing 45 minutes of your day with me. I'm going to show you respect because I'm appreciative that you do that. I'm never going to take that for granted. Players should never take for granted. Neither should presidents owners, GMs, people in the marketing department, don't, don't ever take for granted how lucky you are to be a part of an opening day. 18 of them I had. I wouldn't trade one of them for the world. Other opening day stories that are in my head today. We haven't talked since yesterday. Did we cover bets on the show or did I only do that on HQ, Coca? I can't remember. Mookie Betts signed with the Dodgers. I don't remember. I think it may have been a rumor when we talked about it, but maybe it was finished when we talked about it. Coke is saying we definitely covered it before it became official and before the money was known. Well, now we know that Mookie Betts officially signed a $365 million extension that keeps him there for 13 years this year, plus 12 more. It's a 12-year extension. What made me smile is during his press conference, he didn't know whether it was 12 or 13 years. Of course he knows. He was a part of it. What makes me smile is how much he loved the organization and how comfortable he felt that he knows he wanted to spend his career there. 
I laughed because that's ridiculous. He's been there for what, a week, a month, two months, six months? Come on. You know what made him want to stay with the Dodgers? It starts with a three and it ends with a five. And if you look super carefully right in the middle, you'll see a six. And Mookie is a great guy off the field, by the way. On the field, a superstar, second best player in baseball. I'm willing to say that behind Trout. All around, there's nothing he can't do. But it was a straight overpay by the Dodgers. So the Dodgers go into opening day facing the Giants. Uh, Coke, I was on HQ earlier today, and there's a uh, CBS Sports HQ, which you can stream anywhere for free. It's a great channel, 24 hours a day. One of the anchors, his name is Jeremy, last name. I've actually never pronounced his last name. I think it's it's spelled St. Louis, but it may be St. Louis because he's Canadian. So in any case, he did a uh, narration of an opening day James Earl Jones type of thing on on HQ coca and i got chills and that's why i told you before the show that i wasn't feeling well maybe i just had the chills of listening to him talk about opening day except he did something and he didn't do it it was written for him i'm sure something that absolutely made me crazy tonight in major league baseball mookie bets his dodgers take on their bitter rival the san francisco giants and i said this on hq i'm going to say it again now They're not Mookie Betts' Giants. You can't say that a player who comes and has not yet played a game, there cannot be the team. And I said Mookie Betts' Dodgers. Did I say Giants? Sorry, Coca. Thank you for putting that in my ear. Mookie Betts' Dodgers. Jeremy had it right. He said Mookie Betts' Dodgers. I'm saying that shouldn't have been written into a script. What about Justin Turner? What about Clayton Kershaw? What about Bellinger? What about Cody Bellinger? That is who is the face of the Dodgers. Mookie Betts will be there the longest right now, but Bellinger, they've got to sign to a long-term deal or else how do you match Betts, Betts and Bellinger? Are you telling me that you don't have a clubhouse issue? If Bellinger was trying to negotiate a deal, the Dodgers said, no, we don't go long-term. And then they give Betts, a guy who walked in 10 seconds ago, 12 years. Players know about each other's contracts. When you negotiate with players, some and not others, they're not happy about it. They have a chip on their shoulder. They don't like the organization or the front office because they want to get paid. Clayton Kershaw's going to the Hall of Fame as a Dodger. It's Kershaw's Dodgers before it's Betts' Dodgers. And what pressure does Betts have going into opening day against the bitter rival Giants? The Giants stink. They're going to lose 100 games in a 60-game season. That's hard to do. Forget that Buster Posey opted out. They were terrible with him. It's not a rivalry. I think the line is like two, three to one almost. Dodgers have a ton of pressure to win a World Series. Making it to the World Series will not be good enough. Will they actually win the World Series this year? I say not a chance, actually. I don't think they will because if I have a chance between one and 29 teams, I'm always going to take 29 teams. Oh, Coca. Can we talk about that right now? Oh, we have to. It's too good. Okay, Coca just got in my ear and put on our document something that just happened. Breaking news while we're taping. Effective immediately. Washington, 
the NFL team. Remember the whole nothing personal, Coco, where I called it the Washington Redskins. I said, no, I don't want to say that. I want to say it's the Washington team or the NFL team who plays in Washington, D.C. All right, here we go. Ready? Effective immediately, Washington will call itself, quote, the Washington football team. Pending adoption of a new name. That's not the final rename or the rebrand. It's the name it will use in the interim period. (laughs) So instead of the logo, which was the old logo, they're going to put on the helmet just the player's number in gold. I wonder if they'll put stars when they make good plays or little other insignias on the helmet when they make good plays. The Washington football team will debut its home uniforms in week one against the Eagles, if only it happens. The Washington football team. Why wouldn't it be the Washington, D.C. football team? How do you know it's not the Washington State football team? I thought they should go with the Washington team that plays in Washington, D.C. We were pretty close. That's one hell of a press release, Coca. All right, so whenever we refer to it, we can now say the Washington football team. They're not the only team making announcements as quickly as possible. The Indians did an announcement as well. Let me remind you what's going on with the Cleveland Indians. They're a team. They've had that nickname roughly forever. And they announced on July 3rd, the owner, Paul Dolan, said that we are going to engage in meaningful conversation and we'll get back to you. So now here it is, July 23rd, coincidentally, opening day. It's been 20 days And they came out with another statement from Paul Dolan saying, conversations continue. We are meeting with Native Americans to discuss this issue. I'd like to know how those meetings go. We are meeting with Terry and the players. Terry is their manager, Terry Francona. I'd like to talk to you about Terry Francona and players being involved in this, the way Ron Rivera is involved in the Washington football team and its rebranding. I don't get it. Explain to me why Terry Francona and the current Cleveland Indians have any say in what the name of the Indians will be. Here's what I want the players to do who are there now. I want to meet with them and talk to them about what they want to do from a social justice standpoint this year right now. MLB said that you can do patches. You can do a stencil behind the mound. You can have T-shirts throughout the season. You can have individualized cleats. There's a whole list of things that players can do. That's what I want to meet with players about. I don't want to meet with players about the name of the team because long after the players are gone, long after I'm gone as owner or president, that name in theory will survive as long as you do it tastefully and correctly. correctly. So distracting the Indians, players, and coaches doesn't seem like a good plan. As bad a plan as Snyder distracting coach of the Washington football team, Ron Rivera, coming up with their name. So the statement talks about the fact that the Indians will engage with Native Americans, players, the manager, employees, fans, sponsors, stakeholders, community leaders, blah, blah, blah. It's exhausting. Do you know what happens when you consult with everybody? Nothing gets done. At some point, you have to make a decision. I'm all for involvement. Try to build consensus. But at the end of the day, Your job is not to build that huge amount of consensus. Your job is to make a decision. We'll see what happens with Cleveland. 
Well, we have no, we have new information now about the Blue Jays coming out. I said the Blue Jays. Can I say the Blue Jays, Coca? Because they're not the Toronto Blue Jays this year because they're not playing in Toronto. Everyone was crazed. Let's go live. Breaking news. They're playing in Pittsburgh. I said, nope. And then they weren't. Now there's word they could play in Baltimore. The Orioles have given permission to the Blue Jays to play their home games in Baltimore. Their home games begin on July 29th. Do you know what good that is that the Orioles gave permission? Wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah, meaningless. They need governmental permission. That's what happened in Pittsburgh. Travis Williams and Bob Nutting, president and owner of the Pirates, were more than happy to have the Blue Jays in Pittsburgh, while they shouldn't have because it endangers their own team, by the way. The Angelos family, who owns the Orioles, I'm sure would be more than happy to host the Blue Jays on the assumption that, think about this, do you know they're in the division? So the Orioles would play the Blue Jays when they're on the road, they'd be at home. When the Orioles are at home against the Blue Jays, they'd be at home. So the Orioles are getting more home games by definition and maybe some extra money as well. I don't know what the governor or what the public health officials will say. I'm still saying they will be nomads or play in Buffalo. It is going to be a very interesting wait to see, but there's not much time left to wait to see. When we come back, we're going to talk about joints. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back. I'm not really going to talk about blunts or joints. I'm talking about a Spike Lee joint. Yes, I watched it this week. Spike Lee, his latest movie dropped on Netflix maybe a month ago. It's called Duh, D-A, not D-U-H, Duh, Five, as in one, two, three, four, five. Duh, Five Bloods, as in Crips. Duh, Five Bloods. It's about four Soldiers, four black soldiers who fought in Vietnam, going back to Vietnam, trying to find the remains of their fifth blood who died during the war in Vietnam, and coincidentally, to try to get gold that had been hidden by them when they fought the war, and they think they know where it is, so they want to go back to Vietnam under the theory that the U.S. government has given them permission to get the remains of their fallen soldier, but really they're there to get the gold, make the money, get the treasure. Spike Lee is a filmmaker who I've been watching. If you go all the way back to She's Gotta Have It, you go to Do the Right Thing. Movies such as Inside Man. Spike Lee is extremely political, extremely opinionated, and extremely brilliant. To Five Bloods is a spectacular movie. The performance by the actors, including a guest appearance by the Black Panther himself, 
in this movie, Chadwick Boseman. You've got performances that are subtle and deep, which means you learn what war does. You learn what it was like for black soldiers to fight in a war. You learn that they were fighting for freedom in Vietnam of the Vietnamese people. And the problem is that black soldiers were fighting in disproportionate numbers back in Vietnam for freedoms that interestingly and sadly enough, they did not share and have in the United States. This is a very deep movie. He decided to cast Delroy Lindo as the, as the main character, the one probably who's the most recognizable in the movie as well, other than the Black Panther. He gives what could be an Oscar-nominated performance. He is haunted. He is haunted by his memories. He's haunted by discrimination. He's haunted by gunfire. He's haunted by death. He's haunted by choices he's made. He's haunted by the life that he lives that his friend cannot. It is a very interesting way that Spike Lee filmed it. There are flashbacks from current day to Vietnam. And you may be confused because in the flashbacks, it's the old actors playing younger themselves, younger as soldiers. Think about the Irishman that we saw on Netflix. I think the Irishman was released about five years ago during the pandemic. And we watched it when they used all that technology for De Niro and Pesci and Pacino. And we thought, God, that looks weird. Rob De Niro's act walking like he's 80, but he looks like he's 60. Well, into Five Bloods, you've got the actors, including Delroy Lindo, who go back in time, but they haven't been de-aged. And so you're wondering, wow, why did Spike Lee do this? And then toward the end of the movie, you realize, oh my God, this is not a reenactment or a flashback. This is the current day soldiers imagining what it would have been like if they had been there at the time in their current form as older men. That's a subtle part about To Five Bloods that I enjoyed. The ending is tough. There is violence that is surprising. And I don't mean like Saving Private Ryan type of violence. I mean more like Quentin Tarantino violence at certain times, which is interesting for this movie. There are flashbacks and news clips that Spike Lee puts into the movie to give you sort of perspective, delineate what part of history we're in. Martin Luther King is shown giving a speech a year to the day before he gets assassinated. Malcolm X is shown at the start of the movie. If you can get to Five Bloods, get to Netflix, watch it, you are going to be very, very pleased. Well, I bet Woody Johnson hasn't seen to Five Bloods. Now that's a segue, Coca. Who's Woody Johnson? Not the guy from Toy Story. Woody Johnson is the guy who owns the New York Jets. Woody Johnson is the guy who is the ambassador to the UK, moved to the UK, gave the team in a trust to his brother, whose name is potentially Christopher Johnson, though that escapes me. So Christopher Johnson or whoever would run the Jets while Woody Johnson is ambassador during this time of pandemia and other such things that are going on in Washington. Well, word came out today. Woody Johnson is being investigated for racist 
and sexist comments made as ambassador. What interests me about this is at least three things. Let's start with number one. The day before this report came out, there was a report that the president had asked the ambassador to, by the way, I'm putting on the fan. Tell me if you hear a coca. I have this great fan. Do you hear that? Because oh, it's a little schwitzy right now, and I don't know why. So the ambassador gets called by the president, apparently, to see if the British Open could be played at a Trump-owned resort in the UK. Could the ambassador be helpful? Hmm. That doesn't seem like that's a call that should be received, made, or handled, or dealt with, or acted upon. So that story comes out day minus one. Then day zero, which was yesterday. The next story comes out about Woody Johnson. Two stories in a row about the ambassador of the UK after zero stories in the first three years that I can remember. Apparently, during meetings, during functions, what an ambassador does when you see ambassadors, if you've watched the West Wing, ambassadors get called by the president into the West Wing, into the Oval Office, you better get back to your premier and say that we're not going to take this laying down. Ambassadors really, when they are non-political appointees, meaning that they are friends of the president, which is common, not just under Republicans, but under Democrats, when you give enough money or you have a relationship, you can become the ambassador. And by the way, it's not an easy job. You're hosting parties. You are hosting dignitaries. You're responsible for running a big business unit in that particular country. Jamie McCourt, the former co-owner and ex-wife of the owner of the Dodgers, Frank McCourt, she's the ambassador to France. It's a big job. There's hundreds of employees. You're dealing with passport issues and U.S. citizens come to the U.S. embassy. So it's not a small deal to be an ambassador. You have to live in that country. You rarely come back home to the United States. But apparently during some of these parties, Woody Johnson was giving his view of people of color, of women, and it wasn't all that positive. Now, if this turns out to be true, Woody's going to have a problem. Is it true? I'm not here to speculate. Is it impossible? No. Is it probable? Yes. So what happens to the Jets? How does it work? Especially now with everything that's going on. This is the worst time to be a racist and sexist owner. Just ask Danny. Snyder, how's that going? It's not good. So, of course, people wanted comments. People wanted to know, will the NFL force Woody Johnson to sell? That's the go-to, by the way. I'm, t- I'm tired of that. Every time there's a problem, the go-to is, will this owner be forced to sell? It takes a lot to be a Donald Sterling or a Marge Schott. Marge Schott was forced to sell the Reds because she was an outright racist. Donald Sterling was forced to sell the Clippers. He was an outright racist. Woody Johnson, short of more than he said, she said, likely not going to be told to sell. But it's a question worth asking. So the media asked Roger Goodell, asked Roger Goodell, and Roger Goodell, like he does, put up his five fingers and said, stop. Don't you dare take away, and I'm not quoting him, I'll quote him in a minute. 
Don't you dare take away from the starting of our training camp or the picture of Tom Brady going to get COVID tested in Tampa or the excitement of rookies showing up to camp and us starting on time as a league, having had not one delay, not one hiccup. Forget the 96 positive tests. We are GTG. Good to go. Don't come to me with the possibility of an owner in trouble because I'm going to give you this quote. And this was the NFL statement. It's too good to be true. We are aware of the report and refer you to the State Department. (laughs) Hi, um, this is David Sampson with CBS Sports HQ, and I'm calling the State Department. Hi, is this um, the State Department? Yes, I'm calling about Woody Johnson and whether or not the NFL would make him sell. Um. Mr. Sampson, thank you so much for your call. Um, hello, State Department, I was referred to you. Um, do you think that Woody Johnson would have to sell his NFL team? What are you talking about? We're the State Department. We got more important things to do. There's no location for the British Open yet. Come on, Roger. Don't refer me to the State Department. What about the problem when Jamal Adams, who now has been mentioned on nothing personal more than most football players, he tweeted out, he's a jet. Once you're a jet, you're a jet. God, how's that go, Coca? Once you're a jet, you're a jet for all time. A jet to be a jet for a jet all the way time. I don't think I have the words right. In any case, Jamal Adams, he came out with a tweet, and it's a problem for football. Quote, he said, we need the right people at the top. Wrong is wrong. Can you imagine being an owner of a team and your player tweets at you? You know what I would do if I were president and I had a player who criticized me directly? If I did what they are claiming I did, if I didn't do what they are claiming I did, I'm still going to the player and I'm saying, listen, Jamal, come to me. You got a problem. Why are you going public? Tell me that you don't think I'm the right person to lead your team. Tell me that you would be happier if I weren't the president of your team. Tell me that you think I'm a racist, sexist scumbag. This is not someone talking to me. It's talking to Woody Johnson. I've been called a lot of things in my day, but not racist and sexist. I just don't like the idea of players using social media. We're seeing it way too often. It's got to stop. Woody Johnson will not be told and forced to sell the Jets. Roger Goodell has an issue, and so does that Jets clubhouse. But don't worry. They've got the perfect coach who can handle any problems that happen in the Jets organization. Hi, Adam. Well, today's the day. It's the final day of the ML Beer Challenge. Day 130. We made it 130 days. We are going live, Twitter live tonight. Maybe Instagram live. Coke and I are going to be at a barbershop, heads up barbershop. We're getting it taken off, getting a haircut, shave by tomorrow's show. When you watch on YouTube, thank you. The Nothing Person with David Sampson channel, please subscribe. When you listen, I will sound differently because I will not have hair covering the microphone the way it does, the way it's covering my lips right now. Now you'll still see some growth from time to time. I'm not an everyday shaver, maybe a once a weeker, but this 130 
days. I didn't know that we'd make it. We're going to have a video that Coke has been working on. It's a time-lapse video. We've taken a picture of ourselves every day. It has been an experience. As you remember, the ML Beer Challenge was not about facial hair. It was about giving money to charity for 100 days. The first 100 days out of this 130 days, we gave $1,000 to charity, a different organization every day. For the first 77 days, we gave to organizations like team foundations who were helping people handle problems, financial issues related to COVID, people who had lost their jobs or had been furloughed. Then after George Floyd was murdered, we changed and made an adjustment. And from day 77 to day 100, we gave to organizations who were doing much to educate the ignorant on all of the social injustice on bail reform, on race relations, on systemic racism. 100 days, a lot of great organizations around the country and in Canada. It was quite important to do what we did. I'm thankful that we did what we did. I didn't think that the beard would last this long. I was sort of worried that what happens if there's no baseball, but they figured it out. Tonight at 7.08 Eastern on July 23rd, we will get to shave this beard. Thanks for traveling that journey with me. It's been nothing but fun. Let me take that back. Coco, ready? Three, two, one. Thank you for that journey. It's a tough journey that we had to take this 2020 with COVID and COVID-19 and then with all of the social unrest. It has been a time of such change and maybe we'll look back on 2020 and say this was a year that changed the time continuum for all time. That, of course, is everybody's hope. That is the ultimate long-term wait to see. In the meantime, the beard challenge comes to an end, but the work that we all do to continue to educate, inform, and help people in this country understand the ramifications of their thoughts and their beliefs and their actions, that work is just beginning. So you want to talk to Samson. That's a segment that we do. Get into the Twitter at David P. Samson. Get into the DMs. It's opening day today. You know what we're going to do. We're going to combine So You Want to Talk to Samson and wait to see. Because the question we got was, with MLB starting this week, can you please tell us your playoff picks? Well, that's the biggest wait to see of all time. You're asking me to do something that's absolutely impossible, right? All these people, do you get online? We do it at CBS. They do it everywhere. Everyone makes their predictions. No one does it as a way to see. No one ever revisits anything other than their correct predictions. If they pick six division winners, four wildcard teams, and they get two right, guess what you're going to hear about when the playoffs start? I predicted the Dodgers would win the NL West. <sighs> Fake crowd noise. <sighs> Cardboard cutout. That's the cardboard cutout. I was standing there. By the way, why do you need netting behind the plate now? Chris Hassel brought this up on CBS Sports HQ off air, and he's totally right. You don't need the netting behind the plate. There's no fans there. There's only cardboard cutouts. Imagine like if they hit the cardboard cutout, decapitated. Of course, they'd never do that because they don't want to ever show that it could be dangerous to sit anywhere in a major league baseball park. In any case, we doing wait to sees guarantee you that we will revisit. And so we will. Here are my picks. Pay attention because they're going to be wrong. Maybe not. National League East, the Braves will win. National League Central, the Cubs will win. National League West, the Dodgers will win. National League Wild Card, the Nationals will play the Brewers and beat them. 
the National League pennant. The Nationals will be in the World Series again. The American League East, the Yankees. The American League Central, the Twins. The American League West, the Oakland A's. Oh, my God, I'm picking the A's over the Astros. We'll get back to that. AL Wildcard, Astros, Tampa Bay Rays. AL Pennant, the Yankees make it back to the World Series. I am saying that this season is going to be a circle. It's going to be in sync. It's going to be something that we haven't had a lot of, and that is continuity. It starts tonight with the Nationals and the Yankees, and it ends in October with the Nationals and the Yankees. And who will win the World Series? The Washington Nationals become the first team to repeat. They did it without Bryce Harper. And now they're going to have to do it without Anthony Rendon, who, by the way, we said in a wait to see that Rendon would not be playing in the opening day. That was our wait to see yesterday. Right after that, Joe Madden announced Anthony Rendon is not playing opening day. That counts as a yes for that wait to see. The Nationals behind Juan Soto, potentially the best player in the league at 21 years old. They will win a World Series First back-to-back team since the Yankees in 98, 99, and 2000. Can you imagine how amazing that will be if I chose the Nationals and they win the World Series? And I've never liked the Nationals. I love the owners, but I've never liked any team in the NL East because I was a Marlin or an Expo. Now I'm not. Go Nationals. Little controversy picking the Cubs in the Central. A lot of people going with the Reds. I'm not. A lot of people saying it's got to be the Astros. It's got to be the Astros. They are a better team, but the A's don't sleep on them. You haven't heard of many of their players, but take a look at Chapman, Davis, their pitching staff. I like the A's. Okay, new segment. Get ready. The nothing personal pick of the day. Every day I'm going to do a pick for you. You want to gamble, gamble. You don't want to gamble, don't gamble. But I want to give you my pick. On HQ, we do the Grand Slam pick of the day. But here it's called the nothing personal pick of the day. Get it, MP pod, like we're a podcast. The NP pod. The first nothing personal pick of the day. How could I not go with the World Series champions? The next World Series champions with Max Scherzer on the mound. Go Nationals. Not a lot of fans in the stands, no rings, but a banner. But believe me, the Nationals tonight as underdogs will take care of business because for them, it's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.